Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? We got a great show planned for you. I wanted to open the show with some news, some of it funny, some of it amazing. Again, we're talking about some of the positive things Biden's done. He ordered and blocked the Keystone Pipeline. This happened last week, and I meant to talk about this. Time got away from me, other important things. But I'm glad that we're finally looking at the environmental impact of what we're doing, but also the impact on indigenous populations and their land that we've stolen from them. Um, it's really important as we move forward that we consider the impact of uh, our, our, our attempts at expanding the economy, uh, making money, capital capitalism that it has on uh, native populations and also the environment. Um, we are connected to the environment. We cannot separate ourselves from it. We need to care more about the impact we have. He has an ambitious plan. I'm here for it. And it plans to address the climate change. And uh, he did so by revoking a key border uh, permit that was getting pushed through. And he shot that bad boy down. Look, I'm here for it. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the wall. Do we leave that nasty thing up there? I want that taken down. And it's a, you know... <laughs> It's memorializing all the xenophobia and racism that Trump had. So I hope we take that bad boy down. Um, also saw a funny story. It was talking about is, uh, you know, not everyone's wearing the masks up over their nose, right? They let them drop down or it's over their mouth. And the question was, I love this. This was actually a headline in the New York Times last week. It said, is mask slipping the new man spreading? Um, and they're showing all the videos or pictures of men with their masks hanging down hilarious <laughs> pull your masks up i feel like a one of those people saying that to the kids pull your pants up um also wanted to talk about the fact that uh, what made news is someone from taco bell an employee was fired because it came out that they had a porn past that they had done adult films that is no reason to fire someone ever not if they're doing it currently not if they're doing it historically they're an adult engaging in a legal job making money and people only take side hustles if their primary job doesn't pay them and help them get their needs met. So uh, how about we pay people their worth and then they'll only need one job and then we don't have to worry about firing people for these other jobs. But nonetheless, it's okay to engage in adult work. That is that is a, a legit form of employment. We're finally starting to decriminalize it. I love it. AOC was talking about it. A couple senators were talking about it. Bam. But we shouldn't be firing people for what they're doing now. But more importantly, we can't be holding people accountable to things they did historically. This comes up in relationships. People ask questions about their past relationships, past behavior, and we want to drag it in the present and decide who someone is. Now, sometimes, yes, past behavior predicts future behavior, but we also want to be confident in who we know the person to be now. We talked about this when I said I thought it was gross that people deep dive into people's social media from years ago and then bring it up now. Oh, you tweeted this horrible thing five years ago. Yeah, that's right, five years ago. Take people for who they are now. 
I don't believe that we should be digging deep and, and accepting accountability for who we used to be. Sure, apologize, remind people who you are now, but like such odd behavior. We're so hung up on who people used to be. People evolve, they change, they grow. Let's meet them where they're at now. A lot of people are trying to be better and they're learning. Let's let them have that, right? It's, gosh, it's meaningful. And then I look at this story, and <laughs> y'all are gonna laugh. A woman glitter bombed her cheating boyfriend's entire apartment. Yep, you can Google and see the video. Look, a lot of people are probably clapping and whatnot. Someone's bad behavior doesn't make your bad behavior better. If someone upsets you and lets you down, be an adult. Look for accountability, look for apology, but we don't go damage someone's life or their apartment. And again, I'm not taking the side of, of um, the guy who cheated. It's a horrible solution to a problem. If you don't wanna be with someone, dump them. If you want an open relationship, ask for it. If you wanna have sex with other people, talk to your partner about it. Whatever's going on, deal with it. Cheating is a really horrible solution. And, uh, but going and glitter bombing someone's place, which is kind of a nightmare that doesn't solve or heal anything. Come on. That's not good behavior. I want people to be better. This is tied to how we see things in our culture. We're all about punishment. We call it justice. Punishment doesn't create any, it makes nothing just, it heals nothing. It transforms no one. It just creates more harm. And that's why we're finally trying to do prison abolition. Get rid of the prisons. They rehabilitate no one. They do a lot of harm to exploited and marginalized populations that are already dealing with tough enough stuff. And we should be getting people the help they need, right? If someone has a drug and alcohol addiction issue, let's get them treatment if they're open to it, right? Let's stop incarcerating people and thinking it's something beneficial and positive when it's just punishment. We, we love punishment. And again, we use the word justice and it just isn't. Um, so we got to get better culturally around that. And finally, I want to close out the segment doing my due diligence as a relationship uh, and sex psychologist and therapist and remind you all that get on those apps. I want people right now connecting to others, but also looking for love and relationality. Now is a good time to do that. A lot of lonely people, they love the connection, they love the attention, they love the joy. And all the clients I'm working with are out there engaging in that process. So I'm gonna remind you yet again, I'm gonna do it every week, that right now we do need that joy and care in our lives. We do need distractions. Lean in, take advantage of what's possible. Don't think you have to go through things alone. There's really great ways we can be building relationship intimacy and even going on dates, following the guidelines outdoors with a mask from, you know, picnic. FaceTimes. It's not ideal, but we're getting our needs met the best way we can. But um, I want people to still participate in the world as much as they can because this is still going on further, right? We are not out of the woods yet. The world is not going to open up in the next couple weeks or months. And so I want people to really be focusing on intimacy building and relationality on all these levels. So a reminder, every single day, check in on three people. Every single day. Text them, tweet them, DM them, I don't care how. Every day they'll connect to three people, why they need it and you need it. Because we're hitting a wall, people are getting burnt out, they're feeling very isolated and that's the only way through, through, excuse me. And that, and also by, as always, normalizing, talking about mental health. So we're checking in on people. How's your mental health doing, right? Letting them know you're here for them. It's important stuff. All right, y'all. Coming up next, Audrey Hope to talk about trauma in the time of pandemic. All right, now let's go to our first guest, Audrey Hope, trauma therapist and spiritual expert. How are you? Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thank how, you. Yeah, and how is your mental health doing right now? Well, um, actually, I just got vaccinated. Ah, well done. How you feel? It's, um, I didn't have any side effects or anything. We had to for, I work at Seasons Rehab, and so um, it's all good. Oh, feel phenomenal. good. Good. Well done. Um so it's been a rough year. <laughs> We're trying to uh, come out of 2020 as unscathed as possible. But for a lot of people, it was uh, pretty traumatic. So when we're kind of talking about the trauma of the past year. What is it that people should be focusing most on? Well, it's time to heal. 
Dr. Chris. <laughs> you know, and the good news is that everything has to come up for healing. And when you do healing, you want it to be that way. And it has been like so much and there's overwhelming energy. But the good news is we can see it all. And so we be can begin to heal it. And now is the time for healing. So I have some great ideas on how to suggest things for people. Good. Let's, let's jump right into that. A lot of our listeners got their little pen and paper ready to go. So what are the steps or things that people should consider? Well, first of all, you can't deny it. You can't just say, I'm fine. I'm doing well. You can't never do that with trauma. Because if you do that, it will begin to surface in other ways. Illness, addiction, depression. So you really have to honor the fact that there's been a lot happening. And you have to take time and space to do something about it. Okay? So one of the things I suggest is not just talk about it. Because trauma is like a nuclear bomb. It's so intense. It lives in your body and you have to release it on that level. So you have to do something that is externally getting it out of your body, which is healthy way of screaming it out, walking it out, shouting it out. But you really have to honor that it's in there. I think of it like invisible gas. Mm. Um, also, you have to um, take care of yourself be in nature, meditate, make sure you think positive. Because believe it or not, there is a difference between the energy of fear and the energy of hope. People can get sick from fear. And let's talk about the first point. I, I love what you said. We, we have to be willing to go into the work. You know, it's very American for us to try to toughen up, push through, not get bogged down. And that not only doesn't help resolve the trauma, but it can further complicate sometimes. You cannot take a pill with this. Right. You can't put a curtain over it. You can't stick the monster in the closet. And the thing is with trauma, you realize that there's so much energy trying to keep the monster in the closet. But if you really gently bring it out into the light, you can deal with it. It's the hiding it that's the problem that causes most of the pain. And, and talk for a minute about the intuition of the body, because like what you said about externalizing, working through, releasing energy, um, I tell people, listen to your body. Sometimes if we can sit in that silence, it can kind of direct us. The body will tell us absolutely everything. And the simpler it speaks to us, the more profound it is. Like someone will say, oh my God, I feel like I have chains around my neck. I feel like I have this thing living in my stomach. That are our soul messages. And if you can listen to it, you can save years of therapy. So I would say to someone, close your eyes, find out where the fear is living inside of you, um, spend time in it, and almost kind of get a picture of what it is. It, it, what does it look like inside the body? And then when you get a, uh, that will also help years of therapy, when you get a good look at what it is, you can begin to work with it and begin to see what it needs to leave your body. And this is all can be through cartoons, through uh, visualizations. And I work with that a lot. Just finding it, talking to it, and then seeing what it needs, and then releasing it. Beautifully said, and and I and I like the idea of talking a little bit about coping mechanisms, right? So you were you beautifully said how you know we want to deal with the trauma, we want to face it, befriend it, work with it, and those that aren't or haven't, 
Um, now's a good time to do that work. You know, the COVID's closed down a lot of our distractions so we can be left with self. But talk about the addictive piece. Um, what should people be doing to assess whether or not they're drinking as a result of just downtime and boredom versus maybe this is a trauma outcome? Well, I work in an addiction center, so addiction is the outside of it. But there's always a deeper meaning in it. And you have to really find it at the root of the root of the soul, I say. So if you just stay in the addiction, you're, you're going to lose it. It's never just about the addiction. It's, it's a symptom of a deeper problem. And so this is like we're all in PTSD. We're in the aftermath of so much survival. And so we have to understand it as that. There's like a time lapse in it. You know, like when I work with the people from 9-11, they came for healing four years later. So it's to understand that you cannot escape. And if you don't do it now, it will come later. So addiction is just a symptom of what's really, really deep. And, and another good thing, Chris, is that people are healing everything now. I mean, relationships marriage problems. Um, with COVID, there's really some, I, I have like this quiz, like what did COVID teach you? Um, how have you changed? What's different in the way you look at things? Because, I love that because one of, yeah. the, one of the buzzwords that's been really powerful for me and I'm using with a lot of my clients is post-traumatic growth, like the growth possibilities. I love it. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And you find out so many amazing things have happened through this time out, which is a very spiritual thing. Stay home, be quiet, be in the silence. And so what's happening is people are changing partners, um, thinking about what they really want to do in this life, you know. So with a new perspective, which is how to look at pain, which is a spiritual view, like, yes. What is this causing me? I, I call it a wake-up call. And also with the fires, I work with people in the Malibu fires. You know, fire is a very spiritual thing because things burn and then you can see. Um, so it's alchemy. There's an alchemy that's happening. And through the process of this transformation, we do grow. So I would ask your listeners, like, what's happened to them in the last year? And, and one final point, I want to share a very quick anecdote with you. Many, many years ago, like a, like a good American, I ran into the vitamin shop and I was stressed and anxious. And I said to the person working there who's got a brilliant holistic mind, I said, give me something for my stress. And he looked at me and he said, when's the last time your bare feet touched the earth and you were in nature? Horrified when I thought, I go, it's been well over a year and a half. And he goes, start there. I drove to the beach. I put my bare feet in the sand. Bam shift total shift beautiful we need and nature. that is the way to do it which is also to put your feet in the ocean right because salt water is really great and if you don't if it's cold where you are you can go into a bathtub with epsom salt you just really need to nature is so special for healing you know you can touch a tree lie down on the ground look at the sky look at the sunset and begin to appreciate what you do have not what you don't have Beautifully said. Audrey Hope, thank you so much for being a part of our show and thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you, Chris. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you. 
And I love that message. Uh, a lot has happened in the past year, and we have a lot of year ahead of us. And if we can focus that on really encountering, facing, and sitting with ourselves and all that's come from last year, and uh, so many beautiful resources available, so much healing is possible. Um, and also, we'll put some resources up at the end of the show. Now, let's go to our next guest, Ryan Sheldon, Body Acceptance Advocate. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide into our DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This Valentine's Day, we aren't sliding into DMs. We're gliding into them. That's because Astroglide is here with a dozen different personal lubricants for whatever or whoever you want to get into this month. From self-love to an intimate night with your loved one, Astroglide can help you surpass your intimate expectations. Hey, Dr. Chris. <clears throat> My name is Hannah. I've been seeing my girlfriend, Britt, for a year. She lives with her roommate and best friend, Frankie. But Frankie is kind of a mess. Ah, Frankie, come on, buddy. Always bringing girls home to the party. Always drinking or smoking weed, which is cool. And Britt enjoys it too. All right, so, so far we're good. Everyone's good. Recently, I've been studying a lot and trying to focus and get another job, so I haven't been going over as much as I would like. Since I've been focusing on me, Britt has been pretty short and standoffish. Usually she's all on her phone at the parties. And now when I text her, she said she left her phone upstairs or whatever excuse she gives me. I trust her, but her behavior is getting a little odd and I definitely don't trust Frankie. Is there an easy way to address my concerns? See, uh, whenever someone says, is there an easy way or how should I, it means... I'm afraid of just doing it directly. And that's always the answer. The answer is always you, you have a direct, honest conversation, compassionate, non-judgmental, because you're, you're supposed to be, you go into these conversations curious of what's going on, but there's no easy way. It's hard. Obviously you're asking about if it was easy, you would have done it. It's difficult to have these honest conversations, but it's you're, you're, you're in a relationship. You have to learn how to. And you frame it as such, hey, I need to talk to you, Britt. And it may, this is a really hard conversation to have. I love the transparency. But remember, intimacy is built when we have conversations that are hard for us to say and hard for them to hear within the context of love and care. So you can even frame that, hey, Britt, this is really hard to bring up and it might be hard for you to talk about. Um, this is hard for me, but I need to talk to you about our relationship right now and your relationship to your roommates. Okay, like if you notice, I'm always, my answers are always me scripting what to say. So write that down. <laughs> But we can own our process. I love transparency. So I'm really anxious to talk to you about this. This is a really scary thing to talk to you about. Or Britt, I'm really scared to have this conversation because I don't want to upset you or make you mad. But I need to talk to you. Our relationship has changed. You're not as available and I'm working hard on these other attributes. And I'm not 100% clear on what's going on socially when I'm not around. Can we talk about it? And then you sit and you listen. And you deal with whatever answers brought up because I have no idea what it is. Maybe she's going to say, yeah, I wanted to be more present with my friends and I keep my phone in my room. Or yeah, it's gotten out of control. We're drinking, using more drugs. But the only way you're going to get a real honest answer is if you're safe to go to. You know, a lot of times people lie to us and avoid telling us the truth because we're not someone safe for them to come to with the truth. And it doesn't mean you have to accept everything you're told, but you have to be the kind of person that's approachable. Otherwise, people won't approach you. And so start there. Are you someone where she can go to and have these kinds of honest conversations? Or do you yell, scream, judge, get jealous, and make it difficult? If so, you won't get the answers. 
And again, that doesn't mean you have to honor and accept and allow what the answers are, but you have to be calm and safe to be gone to. And then you can say, wow, that's really hard to hear. It sounds like blah, blah, blah. That doesn't really work for me. I feel comfortable. Maybe we're in a different place in our lives and the compatibility has shifted and this isn't the right relationship for us. Or maybe you'll get an answer and you'll say, thank you. That makes me feel better. I wasn't aware of that. I'll work on that. Or I don't know, but you have to be open to it being about you is my point. Because these things don't always happen in a vacuum. Sometimes you're a factor and you have to be able to be told, how you contribute to that. Or it's just this person and her other friends' lives and issues. And you have to create a safe space for her to tell you that. So have the conversation because important conversations have to be able to be had in long-term loving relationships because many things will come up. So this is a way you practice. But bigger than that, this is the way you really assess compatibility. If you guys can't have these kinds of con- if you two cannot have these kinds of conversations, then you don't have compatibility in some of the necessary areas. So work on building that. I know it's anxious, but that doesn't mean it's not meaningful and it's not important. It has to be done. So go into that anxiety, let your partner know you're anxious and have the conversation, but do it in a safe way, at a safe place, not around others and see what, see what comes up. But there's no easy way other than doing it. (laughs) So that's how you do it. All right. Y'all question of the night coming up. It is up on our love line IG page. And then we'll be closing out our show with some DMS. If you want to check out past episodes of love line, you can do so by going to wearechannelq.com. And if you want to check out some of the last episodes of I'm Listening Live, that is on all the radio.com handles of Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And they're going to live there. So you can always go back and check me out interviewing some experts and celebrities during our time in the pandemic. But uh, we'll be back. Uh, weighing on the question tonight, though, on our Loveline IG page in the story while we're gone. <laughs> weighing on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about getting, well, helping. It's not, it's not a guarantee, but how do we help someone access and get into therapy that maybe we think could benefit from it? I think back to when I was in high school, you know, and it was part of where I was living, but it was also the time where no one talked about therapy. No one I knew had a therapist. And it was something that was very hush-hush. It was something that you kind of kept to yourself because it implied that something was wrong. And I'm so thankful that we live in a different time. I mean, I'm out here in California where everyone is very open about their therapist. Everyone out here is in therapy because they're like, look, whether I have insurance or I don't, I make use of it in whatever way I can. Why not access something? It's only going to benefit for uh, benefit me. And I'm my heart is so warmed. Even over the holidays, I was watching how many celebrities are now talking about mental health struggles. And uh, we'll talk more about who they are and what they're talking about Um Maybe on another segment, a little bit deeper. You know, we're always kind of sprinkling throughout. We talked a little bit about at the opening, but um, it's normalizing. You know, it makes people more comfortable and familiar hearing about it. Remember, all the one of the things we keep talking about is that you want to normalize it. That uh, it's something that's okay to talk about. That it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you as a parent or a boss or a loved one. That it, it's we all have mental health struggles. All of us. We will all at some point struggle. Maybe not to the extent others have, but we will all encounter depression, anxiety, confusion, small traumas, big traumas, uh, maybe issues with our relationship to drugs, alcohol, our bodies. Right. So I'm glad that it's something people are talking more about. Because remember, the more you talk about it, normalizes others' ability to acknowledge it, to talk about it. Some people aren't even aware that maybe they're struggling with their mental health until it's discussed and they go, oh my God, that sounds like me. So sharing that you're in therapy, talking about the benefit it's having for you, talking about you know your daily struggles are really, really important, uh, even for someone like me. Now, the, the, the concern's always, what will people think if I talk about our mental health struggles? Well, 
some people might hold it against you and that's unfortunate. Others will say, wow, that person's a human. I'm glad they're healthy enough to know what's going on. I'm more worried about those that aren't acknowledging it or working on it. Those that are like, look, here's what's going on. I'm getting help. I'm like, great. I know something positive is going to come from that. But those that are struggling silently, mm, change isn't going to happen. It does not happen on its own. Time does not heal everything. Uh, time can sometimes allow things to perpetuate and get worse and amplify and complexify. I, I don't feel that way. Time does not heal all things. It's what you do in time that matters. And so we're normalizing the use of mental health. So some of us are moving through the world thinking, wow, I have someone in my life that maybe could benefit from it. How do I bring that forward? Because we don't ever want to make someone feel bad or shamed. And just because you're comfortable or confident in seeking therapy or being in therapy, it doesn't mean the other is. And so we want to always approach it from the understanding that we don't know what their relationship is with the concept of therapy or therapist, right? So not everyone's going to be comfortable maybe opening up about whatever they're struggling with. So you got to kind of start there. How close are you to this person? And that's a question I ask for a lot of disclosures or a lot of conversations. If you're trying to have a very personal, intimate relationship and it has not been built that way thus far, you need to work on that maybe first. Um, out of the blue, <laughs> if this is someone where things are usually more casual, more superficial, it might be overwhelming or not feel safe for you to swoop in and just be very deep, present, honest, and vulnerable and open. Maybe it will. You know, Maybe they've wanted that and sought that and can tolerate that or have that with others. But you have to assess that first right? What kind of relationship do I have with this person? Are they someone who will hear such a thing from me, right? Because I even brought that up and this is maybe a weird example, but I bring it up when people want to come out. Is this person someone you've had a close relationship with or do you maybe want to work on other disclosures first so that they feel safer in such a thing? So you want to always approach it from that understanding, right? Where is this person in relationship to that? But then also doing it with love and care because you know therapy is not something that should be used or should not be weaponized. It should not be penalizing. It should not be, you know, if you don't get into therapy, this is ending or there's something wrong with you. Therapy isn't a tool for anything other than healing. And the people entering it have to be open and seeing it that way. And that's why I'm absolutely opposed, absolutely opposed to court-ordered treatment because treatment doesn't work like that. Therapists aren't part of the legal system, the criminal justice system, and I don't want to be. We're healers, and we want to be available to those that want healing. And if they're not, I don't want to work with them. No one should be forced in. It doesn't work that way. Uh, if you lead a horse to water, will it sometimes drink? Sometimes. And other times it'll complexify and make things worse because they feel powerless and helpless and uh, you've taken their agency away. Everyone should feel like they have control and agency over their lives. And so this conversation is about you just offering an option and they choose what they choose. And then you decide what you wanna do based on what they choose. But you should never strong arm or ultimatum someone into treatment or therapy. You can recommend it, you can let them know what you'll do whether if they don't, but you can't force them in. And that's part of just healthy boundary setting. Hey, it's important that I'm dating someone who's treating their mental health issues or addiction issues. Um, it'd be meaningful if you'd get into therapy. If not, I understand, but I can't be in a relationship with someone that's not working on it. That's how you get to set a boundary and take care of yourself. But you can't force someone in because that's not going to be good therapy. So we'll talk a little bit more about getting someone you love into treatment, uh, especially because it's the new year. So a lot more people are open to that. We'll talk about that when we come back. But uh, question night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. And then we'll be closing out the show by sliding into those DMs. But when we come back, we will be talking a little bit more about getting loved ones into therapy. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Coming up next, Ryan Sheldon to talk more about body positivity. All right, now let's go to our next guest, Ryan Sheldon, body acceptance advocate. How are you, Ryan? Welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How is uh, your mental health doing right now? You know, I, my mental health is doing really well, actually. Uh, I feel kind of uh, kind of bad to say that, but it's doing it's doing really well for the first time in a long time. Congrats. I like hearing that people are thriving, and I know it can, it can be hard to say that out loud, but we want people to be able to celebrate that. And uh, yeah. coping mechanisms and self-care, uh, what kind of things are you engaging in right now? Yeah, I feel like the, over the past year almost since quarantine, it started a little rocky for me. And then I got into the groove of what I consider self-care and how I how I want to practice that and how I choose to practice that. And over the past several months, I have really started to just, I want to say like fall in love with my body again. I, I feel like this being quarantined and not having to leave your house for a period of time has allowed me to not care so much about what others think. So I found myself just enjoying my body and embracing it. I know that might sound a little odd to some people, no. but for me, it's it makes sense. I love hearing that because I think the general consensus is that this has been a really tough time on people's relationship with their bodies. They're not moving as much as they feel comfortable moving. They're overanalyzing what they're eating or not comfortable with what they're eating. So let's talk about that. In terms of body acceptance, you know, the pandemic has forced us to really form a new relationship with our bodies. We don't have access to what we're most comfortable and familiar with. So in terms of body acceptance, what does the work look like right now for us? In terms of body acceptance, the work looks like not being so hard on yourself. I, for so long, I've been saying, allow yourself the grievance to like, to not be perfect. And that's okay to not be perfect. And I finally have gotten into that mindset where it's I don't really care what other people think. I now, you know, I'm, I've been in Florida for months now and I go to the pool, I take my shirt off. Well, there's no one here obviously, but I just am embracing it. I don't know necessarily what that looks like, but what that feels like is amazing and freeing. Yeah, and for people that aren't familiar with your backstory, because you've been a guest on Loveline before, um, this is a little bit of a journey for you as you've struggled with your own acceptance of your own body. Yeah, I mean, I was diagnosed with body dysmorphic disorder and an eating disorder. So I have struggled since I can remember the age of eight years old, always hating my body. I know that's a strong word, but that's how I felt. And now I finally live in a place where I within myself that I feel like I am accepted. And maybe that's because I haven't lived the normal life in terms of, you know, going on dates and being around people. So maybe that has something to do with it. But it's it's going to be interesting when I reintroduce myself to the world. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really important work. It's really hard for anyone to be allowed to just feel okay about how they are, whoever they are in our culture. Um, and I think right now we're getting flooded on social media with people talking about COVID waking, COVID weight loss, home workouts. So how do you keep your mental health healthy around being flooded with all that? So this is the the truth is I got off. I got off social media for a long period of time. I It was so destructive. I kept finding myself, you know, feeling exactly like you were saying. I was getting flooded with all of these ads for uh, for working out or these influencers that were influencing nothing but their six packs, fill, filling up my feed. And even though I wasn't following them, they were still filling up the feed or suggesting. And it just made me feel so horrible that I got off of um, Instagram. And I mean, I just didn't go on for a while. And then I started going back on around um, the election time to kind of see what, just see what everyone was posting. And I found it so negative and so toxic to some degree that it's been hard for me to, to reintroduce myself into getting, getting used to scrolling again. But I found myself really just knowing the source of this. And that's what's helped me along this journey is like knowing that the diet industry is a multi- over a $60 billion industry a year. They're selling you that cultural ideal body the same way they're selling you that car. And people are posting about that because they're probably getting paid to post about that to some degree. So that's been helpful to understand the source of where this is coming from. 
Yeah, I love that. And it's the broader topic of also paying attention to what we consume psychologically, right? Nothing's neutral. And, and if you're trying to work on your mental health or body acceptance, you have to pay attention to what you are visually consuming. And as you said, it's going to be really hard to feel good about how you are or have neutrality if you're swimming in images that are telling you otherwise. Um, let's quickly also talk about the idea that people will really focus on, you got to be healthy, you got to be healthy, but people's definition sometimes ignores mental health. And that has to be part of that discussion. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that because I think that when people keep saying healthy, 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 they, they look at your body, they look at your weight, but why aren't they not saying mentally healthy, men mentally fit? Like, that's my thing. I feel very mentally fit right now. In fact, I feel probably more mentally healthy than I have in a very long time. Um, and for me, that is more important than anything else because that is what's getting me through the days currently. Um, I think people need to readjust their view when they say healthy because it's actually insulting when someone says, are you healthy? And I said, yeah, I'm great. And they're like, but you look like you're overweight. That's that I get often and I'm tired of hearing that. Um, I think it's the way that people are perceiving us because mental health is truly what is going to keep you going through through this time. Yeah. And also just the whole concept of number one, don't comment on people's bodies. Right. <laughs> mental health yeah. tip number one. And also health can exist at every size. Someone's larger body doesn't promise a lack of health, just like someone's smaller body doesn't mean that they are in health, right? We have to actually go get blood work, uh, our heart tested, you know, it's, it's far bigger than that. So I like what you're pointing out, like we have to extend that discussion. And also, how about this? When you're when you're talking about health, always say, what's the mental health impact on that, right? Like some people think that working out is never negative, but you got to look at what's driving that. What's the goal? Uh, totally. I, I think that, you know, it goes back to the, the whole thing I always say where people don't wear their eating disorders. And when I was uh, in the thick of my eating disorders, when people would think that I looked culturally acceptable because I looked very fit and I was the unhealthiest I've ever been. Um, and, you know, there is a such thing as over exercising and that can lead to, uh, to eating disorders as well. Beautifully said. Uh, and what are some resources that people can look to if they want to kind of do some of this work? I, I know that your social media is always trying to advocate yep. for this. What else? Uh, so other out, uh, other sources, uh, I think National Eating Disorders Association is probably the number one resource. If you're looking for help or think that you may be struggling or are struggling with body image, uh, eating disorders, that's the place to go. They have a chat now button. They have a helpline. Um, also, Instagram is flooded with so many good resources and so many accounts that are there to uh, to help you. But you just have to weed out the ones that are triggering for you. Well said. Ryan Sheldon, thank you so much for being a part of our show and have a good rest of your night. Oh, Rachel, we are back and now it's time for question of the night. This one says, according to a new survey done by Penn Life, <clears throat> Americans revealed their favorite thing to do during the cold months is enjoy hot cocoa. Something really adorable and like old school about that. I didn't know that that was something people were still doing though. But that's one of the favorite things apparently, especially if you lived in colder regions. I think it's because I'm in California. It's barely cold and when it is, it's not that cold and so... I don't think we do that here. I don't know. Uh, the poll also said that the perfect winter day <clears throat> is 39 degrees and sunny. Really? Well, what makes your winter perfect? I like the cold. I like the dark weather. I like the rain. It doesn't bother me. I think it's beautiful. I think there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of beauty in it. What makes your winter perfect though? Someone said fireplaces or fire pits is the best. Yeah, I agree with that something really stunning and magical about fireplaces and fire pits. If you are, are blessed enough to have access or to have one, someone else said hot cocoa, but with alcohol. Ah, there it is. 
Yeah, I can't remember the last time I heard people talking about it or I saw someone drinking it or the last time I was offered it. But I get the booze part. Spike it up. Uh, again, favorite thing to do during the winter, which we're kind of coming out of soon. Still in it, though, especially in certain areas, still covered in snow, like my, my hometown. Uh, someone said, I love snow days, mostly because I only visit the snow and I don't live there. Yeah, that's the distinction. When you can pop in, take all the benefits of it and pop out, you love it. But living in it day to day can get hard, especially when it starts to get really slushy and dirty and ugly and it's like the black snow from all the mud and dirt and it's kicking up and then they salt the streets for safer driving to melt the snow and the salt starts getting on your car. Come out of the every morning and you're stepping in the three feet snow. I mean, East Coast can be brutal. You know, it's also dangerous sometimes. Cars sliding around in the ice. I'm telling you, I do not miss all that. Uh, what makes your winter perfect? Someone said perfect snow days are the ones where school and work are canceled. But now I guess there's no excuse. Yeah, see, working from home, nothing to cancel. As long as you got your electricity still, which by the way, back in the East Coast, our electricity go out all the time during windstorms, rainstorms, and snowstorms. No bueno. It was horrible. Hated it. Um, okay, what makes your winter perfect? Someone else said uh, when the trees are all bare, it's my favorite. Yeah. I miss having fall, watching the leaves change colors, the leaves drop, the flowers blooming. California, it's just always, always going. So you don't have that fall weather. We don't have fall. We have summer, and we have a little smidge of winter, and then it's summer again. We don't really have a spring or a fall. I miss all that. Uh, someone else said, as far as what makes winter perfect, um, bum, ba, da, bum, getting up in the morning and sitting in your car for 20 minutes. Now, for those that don't know what that means, is uh, in the snowy weather, you have to go out and start your car so that it gets warm inside because those seats in the steering wheel are freezing. So you have to get that heat pumping up, get the heat warmers going if you got them, but also because you have to get the car to melt the snow. You get out there with your little scraper or your little broom and you're digging your car out and you're scraping that window and you're turning on the window heater and it's melting the ice and you have to sit in there all bundled up. You can see your breath. You know, you got the radio on and you're letting the car get warm before you move and the car melting the ice. Oh my God. The daily ritual. I forgot all about that, but you're right. Sit in the car for like 20 minutes. Sometimes we'd run out, turn it all on, and then run back in. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot about all that. I've been in California way too long. Question of the night. What makes your winters perfect? Someone said, I love winter days that are sunny but cold. Yeah, because you got the best of both. You know what I mean? You got a little bit of the cold, but you can stay in those like sunny hot spots, and then you don't have to um, really, 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 really be freezing kind of pop into now, then we get a lot of that in LA. Even when it's cold, the sun's still out. <clears throat> and finally, what makes your winter perfect? Someone said coffee and Starbucks runs with your friends and family are the best. Again, that's very East Coast or North, and I love that. Uh, getting in the car, bundling up, or riding out for coffee, <laughs> even if you get the cold drinks, but you get the hot drinks, and then you run back home. I miss it. I love living on the West Coast. I love everything it gives me access to, but I'm not going to lie. I do miss the winters and I miss the, the fall and I don't get home enough to see it. So those that have access to that, I know it's always brighter living on the other kind of culture, right? If you're in the sun, you glorize, uh, you, you, you glamorize and you know romanticize the snow. And if you live in the snow, you romanticize constant sun, downsides to both. But um, I miss the beauty of waking up and just seeing nothing but snow. Poor pets. Pets hate that. But you get comfortable with it. 
I, I never knew anything other than that. And then it came out to California and it's the opposite. I can't remember the last time I saw snow while out here. When I go home for the holidays, I get to see it or if we go up skiing, but otherwise we don't. All right, y'all. Thanks to those that participated. The question of the night is back up on our Love Energy page. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. The DMs are always on the DMs on our Love Line IG page. So if you have a question or a concern, drop on in there. It's always confidential. It's always anonymous. Happy to help. Um, whatever you might be struggling with, other people are definitely also struggling with. So weigh in on that. All right, coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide into our DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This Valentine's Day, we aren't sliding into DMs. We're gliding into them. That's because Astroglide is here with a dozen different personal lubricants for whatever or whoever you want to get into this month. From self-love to an intimate night with your loved one, Astroglide can help you surpass your intimate expectations. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm really sad about everything that's going on right now in the world. I wake up depressed, I go to sleep depressed, it's just so much and I'm finding it so hard to slow down and deal with my thoughts, my partner's thoughts and our thoughts together. I feel selfish because I'm clearly taking the protest and the pandemic a lot harder than she is and she's really helping me feel like she's giving a hundred, oh I'm sorry, and she's really helping me but I feel like she's giving 150% and I'm only giving 50 at better, at best sometimes. What do I need to do to get out of this funk and be a better partner? Um. You got to stay in it. You know, this falls under one of those headings of, I want you to be where you are. I, I don't agree that there's some toxic positivity woven in there, that the goal should always be to feel better and good and happy and positive, And that if you don't feel great, something bad is happening. No, you should feel bad. We're the, uh, there's a lot happening politically, socially, um, environmentally, the pandemic. That's an honest, natural response. I don't want to strengthen and perpetuate this idea that if we have a heavier, dark feeling around something that's happening, that our goal should be to get out or get rid of it. Feel bad. Be angry. If you're not, I think you've actually maybe too closed off. So you're functioning fine. You're sad and depressed. We should be right now. I am as well. And our work is about learning how to allow that and carry that again. Just because you're feeling anxious, sad, depressed, or low, that doesn't mean that that's bad or wrong. And the work is about feeling better. Let your partner carry and be 150% while you're at 50. That's part of partnership is them being supportive and helping you. Everyone has different mental needs, right? And, and everyone has different levels of mental health. And we're allowed to be going through difficult, tough times because that's buried in there too. I shouldn't be feeling bad. I should always be feeling better. My partner should never have to take over a high percentage of the work. That's not true. Let your partner do that. Let yourself be where you're at. Just make sure you're doing the few things that you can do. And, and right now, a lot of people are sad and depressed. That's okay. Be sad, be depressed, be angry. There's a lot of horrible things going on. I don't want us to create a world where we're robots and lives are being taken. Black people are literally being murdered for nothing and we're all just like robots moving through the day unbothered. So no, there's no quick tip or technique to not be a person. And I say that lovingly. Mental health is feeling an emotional range and an emotional depth. You're feeling that, you're alive. We should be feeling that. If you're not feeling that, that's my bigger question. Why are you not stressed or anxious about all the things that are going on around us? It galvanizes us. Register to vote, vote, protest, 
demand inclusivity. Look around at your friends and your social groups and the corporate systems you're a part of and make sure all different kinds of people are being represented and given positions of power. Like work with it. The only thing I will leave you with though is I wanna make sure you're, you're at a functional level and if you're not, you gotta get into therapy. There's no quick tip or trick to remove anyone having maybe a serious debilitating level of depression. You know, you need therapy. But I would um, also say just a couple things. Number one, make sure you're focusing on your socialization as well. Every day, reach out to three different friends or family members or people you care about. Why? They'll distract you. It's okay to take time away from all of these thoughts and feelings. Number two, they'll bring joy in your life. And number three, there's something just mentally healthy and, and, and robust about staying connected. Also, Every day, self-care, joy, pleasure, and a lot of rest. And that's the best we got. And I'm okay with that because I want you to feel your feelings. Again, mental health is about being able to feel a range and depth of all emotions. Go deeper into it maybe. Listen to sad music. Journal about it. Acknowledge its beauty. Acknowledge the, the health in it. There's health in people being anxious and depressed right now. That is a natural response to anxiety-inducing and depressive things happening around us. So I want to land one more time by saying mental health isn't about always being happy and feeling good, right? That's not the goal. The goal is to, in a productive way, learn how to befriend our experiences and all of our emotions and allow them. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. You guys have an awesome weekend. Take care of yourselves. Plan some fun stuff. Check out old Loveline episodes at wearechannelq.com. Maybe pick up my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. They'll distract you, inspire you, transform you, educate you. And reach out to people. Let people know you love them and that you're there. But generally this weekend, y'all, turn your phones off. Don't check them. Put them away. Take a few hours and just rest and find some fun. Thanks for hanging out with me. And you all have an awesome, awesome night.